I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brandy's Female Podcast. This week, I'm excited to speak with the co-founders of T-Line, Britt Barkwell, a creative and marketing lead who launched editorial platforms at notable brands such as Club Monaco and Canadian retailer Holt Renfrew, and Aaliyah Bissett, the former director of strategy at Holt Renfrew. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship programs. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. I'm so happy to share that we're celebrating five years of The Brandis Female as a company and seven seasons of the podcast. Thank you for being loyal listeners of the show. Our mission of transforming workplace culture by fostering inclusion and equity, thereby granting women and other underrepresented leaders access to new opportunities, continues to evolve. This season, we're introducing the Brandis Female Conversation Series, in-person events where women leaders and female founders can gather, build community, exchange, and learn from one another. With events in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, we look forward to meeting in real life and building even stronger networks so that we can uplift one another. Our next events are coming up. Join us on October 25th in Montreal with Dermapure founder and president Marilyn Gagné. Visit thebrandysfemale.com to get your tickets now. Our next events will take place soon in Vancouver and Toronto. Keep up with us on social media and don't miss any of the action. Thank you for your support of The Brandy's Female. Together, Britt and Aaliyah bring over two decades of fashion acumen. After seeing a gap in the market for shirting first brands that were both classically cool and accessible, the pair were keen on carving out their own viewpoint. T-Line, foundational wardrobe essentials that offer elevated and effortless style in equal measure, was born then and there. The new standard in men's inspired shirting, but for women, with products made in Canada. If you've wondered about how to succeed in a market as saturated and competitive as fashion, you'll love listening to Britt and Aaliyah. Here is our conversation. Aaliyah and Britt, welcome to The Brennis Female. It's such a pleasure having you here today. Great to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about T-Line. We were just starting uh, before the interview and talking about uh, the brand and and all the, the beautiful products that you're launching. And this is fall, so it seems like the perfect timing to have this conversation because fall uh, fashion is always so exciting, or at least I get excited by sweaters and shirts. But first, I want to take you back in time a little bit. And I want to know from each of you, growing up, what kind of career were you envisioning for yourselves? And was it at all connected to what you're actually doing? doing today? Maybe we'll go with Aaliyah first on this one. Sure. Um, You know, for me growing up, I never really locked into any particular career path that I wanted. I was sort of always interest driven. So at one point, I really wanted to work at Mission Control in Houston because I was really into space and I was really into astronauts. And my mom was like, you better not be the actual astronaut, like just stay on the ground. Um, and then at one point I wanted to open a restaurant because I liked to cook and I found I never really had like a, you know, a really clear and distinct vision of what it was I wanted to do. It was really very much interest driven. Um, a lot of my family is, you know, in the medical profession. Um, everyone has sort of a very defined and wonderful career path. Um, and I just really like the idea of being able to keep my career open-ended, um, and being able to always find like areas of growth for myself, um, and not just sort of be doing the same thing every day. 
Um, and so, you know, because of that, I sort of, I took a, a family leap and I went into commerce. I went to Queens and it was, a, you know, a fantastic experience. Um, and really just from there, kind of kept following my interests and following things that, um, that I wanted to get my hands into and found, you know, a, a really kind of interesting career path from there. And tell me about what you did before launching T-Line. So what was kind of, you know, the first, the first few stages of, of your career journey? So initially, I actually started out in kind of corporate finance and consumer packaged goods space, which was an incredible training ground. I worked at General Mills for a few years and I did supply chain finance. I did um, brand finance, really learned how to like, you know, look at a P&L from top to bottom, all the different levers to pull in order to, you know, make things profitable. Um, and, you know, we, we launched a variety of different programs when I was there that gave me a really holistic view of how to run a business. Um, and then from there, I popped over to Unilever for a little bit for not, you know, it was only about a year or so. Um, and then kind of continued that growth, which mm -hmm. was, um, you know, really at that time, I didn't realize how strong of a background I was gaining. Yeah. I, you know, I was coming out of school, you know, wanted to work in the city, um, you know, enjoyed the brands and that's kind of, mm -hmm. you know, it was the brands and the people that kind of led me, you know, into those, into those roles. Um, and it really has set me up, um, with a mm -hmm. really strong base of how to run a business, which is great. And then from there, I was literally sitting in a meeting in Unilever. I will never forget this moment. And a friend emailed me and she was like, there is a role at Holt Renfrew in strategy as an analyst. And I was like, whoa, I was like, this is, this is amazing. This is like such a marriage of, you know, I love math. I love finance. I love strategy. And it's, I love fashion. Like I've mm -hmm. always, you know, I've always been interested in fashion. I did an exchange in Stockholm and university for six months. And it just like lit up my world of fashion in, in such an interesting way. Um, And then I, um, I applied for that job and I, I got it. And the whole way I was like, there's no way, like, I don't, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I don't have the qualifications, but it just ended up being such an amazing fit. And that's how I landed at Holt Renfrew doing sort of finance and ops and strategy. Um, and then I ended up at Holt's for almost a decade, I think it ended mm. up being all in time. So I did different strategy roles there. I went into ops, went back into strategy and different kind of facets, Um, and that's sort of where Britt and I originally mm -hmm. connected, um, you know, many years ago. So that's, yeah. Love that. And it's interesting. A lot of female founders who are in, you know, CPG category or spend time in CPG yeah. category, you, you know, went through the P&G or Jen Mills and, yeah. and Unilever Root or L'Oreal. So those are all great schools and see, it mm -hmm. seems that female founders are able to get that knowledge and then apply it to, uh, to their own business, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I did work on a project, uh, which was a private space mission that took me, I did spend time at NASA in Houston. So I, I got did. to see mission oh. control, Oh, that <laughs> which, is which is pretty dream. cool. I have to say. <laughs> that is so cool. I used to, I used to just watch, there was one channel when I was growing up that was literally just like broadcasting for mission control. And I would mm, just watch it right. a lot. That's so fun. <laughs> well, so never, never say never, right? Never say never. You can never know. <laughs> Rit, what about you? What were you thinking of doing career-wise as a, as a young girl? So as you'll see, Aliyah and I have very different paths, which makes us such great partners. Um, so I, I went to McGill University and I studied political science and 
you know, it was an amazing experience. Kind of didn't really know at the end of when I was graduating what I wanted to do. Um, so figured, why not go to law school? So I applied to law school. Yeah, exactly. And wrote the LSAT and very quickly realized, okay, this is not the path for me. Um, so um, I'm now married to a lawyer. So it's good that we have different (laughs) different paths. Um, yeah, so I, I ended up going to Paris for the year and um, pursuing a master's. And during that time, kind of, you know, being in Paris, it's obviously such a, like, beautiful, inspiring place to be. And kind of, um, I had always, just like Aaliyah, been very interested in fashion. But I think at the time, it's really, I didn't really understand the scope of the industry. And I think if you, I didn't feel that if I was, you know, a designer or had a technical background, what do you kind of do? And how do you, um, you know, get into the industry? And Mm -hmm. what are the different jobs? So I spent a lot of time kind of, you know, trying to figure out ways I could, um, you know, kind of pursue that career path. And that led me after I ended up moving to New York um, and had a job in the marketing department at Club Monaco, um, which was owned by Ralph Lauren at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was a really exciting um, first real job for me because growing up in Winnipeg, um, which Ali and I are both actually from Winnipeg. Um, Club Monaco was kind of, you know, that was where everyone shot. The reference, yeah. It was it. That was Mm -hmm. it. I had spent some time working on the floor um, at the store. And, you know, that was, it really also was um, very much the way I dressed. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I loved the pieces and the aesthetic. And so this was a very exciting um, Mm -hmm. first job. And it was funny because the CEO at the time, they'd be doing... um, going through the women's uh, lineup, women's wear lineup. And he'd sometimes call me into the design meetings and say, because he knew I was the quintessential Club Monaco customer. And he'd say, (laughs) you wear this. Why would you not wear this? Would you do like this? What don't you like about it? What do you like about it? And so it was an amazing experience because very quickly I had to, you know, form an opinion and, you know, be able to communicate that in front of these executives. And so it was an amazing learning. I was in the marketing department and, you know, just starting to kind of dabble in content marketing. So it was an exciting time. Um, so that was kind of where I got my start and then um, moved back to Toronto and ended up at Holt Renfrew as well. Mm-hmm. And spent, I guess, about almost a decade as well, I guess about eight years probably. Um, so it was a really exciting role because it was kind of the beginning of content marketing at the time. Mm-hmm. 2011. Yeah. And Renfrew actually didn't have an Instagram account, which now just seems right. so easy. And it did, so I was, th- that, that was a reality for most companies at some yeah. point. Completely yeah, yeah. So had, impossible to imagine now. <laughs> totally. So they had Facebook, um, but mm. we're rarely posting. And so I was hired to launch Instagram, start creating a content marketing program um, and content and blog and all of that. So it was a really exciting role Mm -hmm. and it was really challenging in the sense of, especially at the time, Walt Renford didn't even have online commerce. So, you know, how do you try and show a team of executives what you're doing when, you know, the Mm -hmm. like ROI is very difficult to measure, measure. Um, you know, it's where we were creating content and, you know, trying to drive customers into store to shop, but it's very difficult to show, um, you know, our value. So it was a interesting time, but really exciting. And, um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of the trajectory. Well, I mean, love already that, that part of your careers is, is super interesting. So tell me about 
kind of that first conversation or the first conversations, plural, that led to, okay, we might start a business. And I know, uh, Britt, you you launched Truvai uh, after uh, after leaving Holt Renfrew, I believe. But walk me yeah. through kind of when, you know, the idea for the business happened for both of you. Yeah, I mean, I can start with just so it was a very natural like progression for me um, after leaving Holt in 2018. I kind of, you know, continued on with an extension of what I was doing there and, you know, creating a platform for shoppable mm. products and uh, was very content driven. Um, you know, I really believe that people shop content and if there's, you know, curated editorial or um, you know, they can see different styles and ways to shop. It, you know, helps drive their purchasing decisions. So mm-hmm. I was an extension of that, really bringing together different brands and creating shopping lists and affiliate links and, um, you know, kind of being a resource for women to shop online. Um, and I did that for a few years and it was great. And it was, you know, a, a learning experience. And I don't think there's a lot of, there wasn't a lot of platforms in Canada, at least doing that at the time. Um, but I really wanted to start creating something and to create a brand, um, you know, that would stand on its own. And that was something even at Holtz when I was kind of behind the scenes telling the stories of all of these amazing brands. And that was, you know, part of the job of the editorial team is to, you know, go to market and, you know, learn about these amazing brands and really communicate that branded message and the stories behind these brands. And I was really excited to kind of do that on my own. And as soon as I, you know, kind of was thinking about transitioning the business, I right away reached out to Aaliyah. We were both, um, it was COVID, we were on mat leave. And, you know, I know that her skill set is just so complimentary to mine. And, um, you know, I just, the stuff I don't enjoy doing, Aaliyah loves to do. And so, um, you know, we got <laughs> to perfect business partners. Was, yeah, <laughs> it was just a really natural fit. And I mean, yeah, Aaliyah, you can um, kind of fill us in on the rest. Yeah. So basically, you know, during COVID, I think we were both kind of like the antithesis of what was happening. Like we, I never put on, I think a pair of sweatpants the entire COVID. I couldn't do it because I thought I had two young kids at home at the time. So did Britt. And I felt like in order to get me through my day, I needed to wear jeans and I needed to wear a shirt. Like there was just something about getting dressed in the morning that I needed to do to feel capable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, you know, even before COVID at work, like, you know, shirt dressing was something that, you know, we both really kind of um, leaned heavily on in our wardrobes just for versatility. And I found in COVID, I was just really, really leaning on that, leaning on the shirting. And so we both, you know, realized that there was kind of, we had a lot of shirts, but none that really kind of um, fit what we wanted. We want something that felt it a little, like a little more cool, something that was easy to style. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of brands that did shirts, but none that actually led with shirting. Um, and we also kind of look back in our, you know, in our history at Holtz, we did see, as Britt mentioned, a lot of brands and a lot of stories behind these brands. And, you know, we also did sort of see a lot of the rise and the fall of brands and, you know, brands that we might have looked to in the past for shirting were no longer necessarily the ones that, you know, we were reaching for today. So there was, you know, definitely like a personal opportunity and also a market opportunity that we saw that we, um, that we put together. And then, um, you know, Britt had some great ideas and development as far as like what that shirting would look like. And we both just, you know, we really gravitated towards it and then went from there. 
So what was kind of your first steps in, you had an idea for what the brand was going to be, what, you know, the product story was going to be. Um, but making shirts is not something the two of you had done yourselves, even though you've spent time in fashion. So what were those first few steps in, you know, getting, getting, getting the product down right, basically. And, and, you know, what were the challenges that came with, I imagine, finding the right suppliers and, you know, getting the design and the, the type of materials to the level of quality you were hoping for? Yes. No, I think that was a huge um, learning curve for both of us because, you know, we have, um, you know, our skill sets are very diverse, but that was kind of somewhere that we both, you know, actually manufacturing and producing these products was something that neither of us had any experience in. But we have an amazing partner that also brings a lot of um, production expertise to the business. And, um, you know, I think we both um, you know, I kind of take the lead a little more on the design side and we definitely, I like, I definitely had a very specific vision for what, you know, the product should be, what our shirting should look like. And, um, you know, without a technical background, it was a lot of, okay, we have 20 shirts and here are the things we like, you know, about all of these shirts and let's perfect it. And so we really spent a lot of time going through our wardrobes and looking at, you know, what are the pieces that we wear? Why do we like them? It was really practical. Um, and that's kind of, you know, a big part of our business is we're trying to create these pieces that are really beautiful quality and beautifully made that, you know, we're not technical designers. So I think, you know, sometimes it, um, you know, there's a bit of imposter syndrome because we're like, wait a minute, how are we doing this? But, you know, I think, you know, we're able to, at the end product, you know, by, kind of going through trial and error. We love clothes. We love fashion yeah. we love a lot about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's taking all these different various pieces and kind of figuring out what we love about them and bringing it together. And we have really amazing, a really amazing team that helps us translate that vision into technical sketches and technical design. And, um, you know, those people are so crucial and our production team is amazing. And, um, you know, helped us really find these great um, facilities. And actually, all of our shirting is produced here in Toronto, which is oh, so wow. wonderful. Mm -hmm. And as like beginning, um, you know, starting this business and, you know, just learning, it's been so useful. Like we can pop over to the factories and, mm. you know, get on the floor and see, you know, how they're attaching a button and, you know, right. how they're doing the gusset on a certain shirt and kind of be really involved and hands-on on this pro on our product, which has been hugely helpful. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, with the exception of our knitwear, which is all produced uh, responsibly in Nepal and Mongolia. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we've seen the difference when we don't produce locally, just it's, you know, there's a lot of challenges and, you know, we're working through them, but just in terms of shipping and, um, you know, when we receive the product and timelines and, you know, it's, it is like another layer of just uh, complication that we have to work through. Mm. So it's been really, really, we've been really fortunate to have great partners locally here um, to help us with that. And it's interesting that you bring up, you know, feeling like you have imposter syndrome because you're not technical designers, but mm -hmm. you wear mm -hmm. the product and spend so much time around, you know, fashion and clothes and, and you you know what works well, uh, you know, from a from a silhouette, from a product, from a material standpoint. And uh, it always makes me like there's so many uh, male designers who design for women, right? And don't, right. and it's the same with footwear uh, and don't have the first 
understanding of, you know, what's actually comfortable and how we wear pieces on a, you know, something can look great on a runway, but we want pieces that are functional in our everyday lives, which it, it seems to be what you've nailed down with T-Line. Yeah, I think a big part of it is, you know, even our shirting, like we've designed it. So our Isabel shirt, which is our best selling, um, the first shirt we launched, and it really styles itself, like because mm-hmm. of all the different details, it's you don't need to, because shirting can be overwhelming for some people. It is an easy, yeah. effortless piece to wear, but you do have to have, you have to know how to style them. Yeah. And so with our shirting, a lot of people, what they've, what they've said to us is that it really styles itself, you know, the, based on the, you know, the way the pleating is and the darts and the cuffs and the collar, it really does style itself. So it makes it easy to wear. And that's only, if, you know, from being a shirt wearer and, you know, trial and error. And we wear these pieces so much before we actually go to production with them that I think that's kind of how we work through all those details. Mm. And maybe I'll direct this one to Aaliyah to start. Um, we know, you know, fashion is a tough industry to be in, especially after COVID. There's so many, uh, you know, more challenges around just sourcing and transport and and the cost, you know, inflation has affected really the, the cost of everything, but especially materials and transport. Um, and we know fashion in Canada it's, you know, a small market. It's a tough market. Uh, we've seen a lot of companies go under. Uh, was this something, you know, were, were you, did you have any fears around, you know, what kind of obstacles you might be facing and what kind of conversations around what the obstacles might be do you end up having? You know what? I I think Britt and I are generally pretty relentlessly positive people, um, yeah. especially as it relates to our business. So I don't think we ever at any point um, when we were when we were starting this thought like, oh my gosh, there's going to be so many obstacles. How are we going to get over them? We just we had fun, you know, creating the vision. Um, when we started, we started only with three apparel items. Um, it was Isabel shirt. We had sort of a Marin um, top, and then a Rowan T-shirt that we still sell. It's part of our core collection, and we really structured it as a test. We said, okay, like let's you know let's see. Um, let's see what the response is. We think we had you know some really fantastic pieces here. You know, Brit cultivated an incredible following through you know Truvai, and that gave a lot of legitimacy early on to the brand. Um, and you know, the test was really successful. We were really both um, surprised, I think, at how well we did right out of the gates. And then from then on, it's almost just like the business has just continued to gain momentum and grow, and we haven't really had the opportunity to step back and say. Okay, like you know what you know what are the things um, that we think we're going to be dealing with in the future because we're just sort of now dealing with things as they come and because we both are pretty positive um, people, I think we just kind of keep believing there's always going to be a way mm-hmm. um, and you know we keep listening to our customers we try to always put our customers first, try to like, do right by them and and learn from them and we find kind of using that as our kind of guiding principle has um, you know, has helped us, I think, overcome a lot of the obstacles that we've already faced. Um, I think we're also both realistic in the sense that like, as entrepreneurs, we are always going to be facing obstacles. Um, but we, we really try to use them as learning opportunities and, and ways for us to kind of figure out, you know, are we doing the right things in our business? Are we not and growing from there? And I think at this stage, everything we've kind of overcome, we've been super proud of, and it's kind of set us up for continued success, which is great. Love that. Britt, anything to add? 
Yeah, I think also um, one thing that we kind of adopted early on was this idea of like, and that was also because we were producing locally, we could do that is on-demand production. So Mm -hmm. we really had the benefit of listening to our customers, seeing what works, what doesn't work, what is selling, what are people liking, why are they liking it? And then kind of that reflecting in, you know, what we're producing, how much we're producing. And so we've been really nimble and like able to kind of, um, uh, you know, react to what our customer is saying. And so that's been a really, really nice thing that the um, producing locally has given us. And I think we're both really committed to growing responsibly and, you know, we're not trying to grow too quickly. We're being very strategic about what partners we take on, what wholesale opportunities we, you know, pursue. And I think that's really helped us. And we're both really aligned um, with that because one thing you do see is a lot of brands grow really quickly and, you know, they, especially they, you know, sitting on merchandise overproduce, it's also very wasteful. And we're both, you know, really trying to be as sustainable as possible with this business. And so, you know, we're growing responsibly and looking for the right partners and also just really trying to keep our brand laser focused on what we're trying to achieve. So, you know, we look through everything through a very um, specific brand lens. And if, you know, a partnership doesn't feel right or an opportunity doesn't feel right, you know, we don't need to do everything and be everything to every customer. We're really trying to stay focused on what, what we're trying to achieve and, you know, what we're trying to bring to the market that differentiates us. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice, puts guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can all share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. Love hearing that. And I think for a a lot of brands, especially young brands, the decision now to go, you know, stay DTC direct to consumer or uh, go the the wholesale through, you know, working with retailers route Mm -hmm. um, can be difficult. How are you approaching that? How are you navigating that? And what kind of opportunities are you seeing in the market for, uh, you know, a category uh, like yours? So as Britt said, we are being really strategic about who we're partnering with um, from a wholesale perspective. The majority of our business is still definitely DTC. um, And we love being able to control the brand. But as far as, um, you know, growing our, you know, growing our base, growing our customer base, there's nothing really... um, more efficient than doing it via wholesale and reaching out to different customers. Um, so right now in Toronto, we are at TNT. Um, and we also have um, a fabulous store on Young Street here called Verit. And they have a lot of brands that are really, really strong adjacencies to ours, like Totem and Philippa Co. and and mm-hmm. um and a few others. So it's it's really, it's really, we're trying to be very, very careful about where we go. Mm-hmm. Um, a from a branding perspective and B also just from, uh, you know, a business growth perspective and, you know, we can't, we can't grow so fast. I mean, there's only so much growth we can handle at a time. Um, but you know, so far we've been able to do it in a pretty measured way. Um, we have a really fun pop-up coming up, um, with Cal, uh, Holt Renfrew in Calgary, 
on nice. November, which is going to be a really interesting test for us out West. We have, you know, a great customer base there already, and mm-hmm. we're really looking forward to getting out there and, and sort of, you know, seeing people in person and, and, um, you know, hopefully continuing that relationship. But yeah, we are really trying to be um, very specific about what we're doing and how we're doing it. Mm. Brit, I will say though, the leap, the leap from DTC to wholesale was, um, it was a lot like right. we, we really, you know, with DTC, what's so great is you can be so flexible and you can be so right. nimble and, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you know, decide that, you know, there's these couple of products you want to put in and, yeah. um, you know, develop them and, and, um, have them on the site, you know, relatively mm. quickly, but within, with wholesale, it's a completely different calendar. Yeah. Um, and, you know, us trying to get on that calendar was, you know, it was a really heavy lift for, mm-hmm. you know, for, for us to do, but yeah, I think it's, it's been good in the sense it's forced us to, you know, think through process and think through, um, you know, our collections and everything quite a bit in advance, which helps us to plan. Mm. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think just, um, it was definitely a learning curve, just trying to get on that wholesale calendar. Um, but I think it's, you know, really important for us to have a nice blend of wholesale and direct to consumer business. So, you know, we're just trying to figure out what that balance is and, um, you know, testing different markets. And we also, um, you know, our shirts are being sold right now. Um, a, f- a friend of ours, Tanya Taylor, that's also a designer. Yeah. Um, we had her on the podcast yes, a few, yeah, a few episodes ago. Yeah. Um, so Tanya is, um, she launched a beautiful flagship store on Madison Avenue and mm-hmm. um, wanted to include some third party brands and so approached us because I guess, you know, personally, she layers a lot of our shirting um, under under some of her pieces. And um, so she wanted to include us in her shop, which was so um, really, really lovely to of her to think of us. And um, so that was just a nice way for us to kind of test that market because we mm-hmm. are selling online. We sell um, to the US and uh, EU um, and we've seen a lot of sales, but it's nice to just kind of have a place where people can go and try on our, try our on. shirts. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like a first point. And, you know, we're looking at um, some exciting partnerships coming for fall winter 24 and how we can kind of um, expand more internationally and look at different markets. Um, so yeah, just trying to find the right the right partnerships. Mm. And I think a question that comes up a lot for anyone who's in consumer goods, but fashion specifically, um, you know, what type of marketing activities work nowadays? Because we know, you know, the advertising model is not what it used to be. Influencers were really powerful for a while. Now there are questions around the efficacy of campaigns with influencers. What's working well for you since you've launched? So I think, yeah, I mean, obviously paid marketing is, especially in the social space, you know, we we try to do a little bit of it, but when, you know, you don't have a lot of marketing dollars, we're trying yeah. to be strategic about where we place, um, you know, those marketing dollars. They're so valuable. So we, we dabble a little bit in that and we do see, mm-hmm. you know, a bit of return. Um, but really we're, we're looking for really strategic partnerships. So we do a little yeah. bit of influencer marketing, but again, you know, it, it just really depends. Some influencers resonate with your customer and others don't. Um, so it's a bit of trial and error. And, you know, we've been working with some different influencers and, um, you know, we've had some success, which is great. Yeah. Um, we did do a great brand collab um, this past spring with um, a handbag brand called Nagetti. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They're based out of New York City, and uh, Sarah Negetti is the designer. She's a, a friend and a really, um, you know, um, inspirational business leader. And um, we, so we partnered with her on a collab bag, which was great because I think we really share a customer. Um, a lot of the customers that were buying our shirts wear her bags and vice versa. And she's built up a really loyal following um, in the American market. So she's had a lot of great retailers and has a great direct-to-consumer business. So we partnered with her and um, did a, a bag that, and we used, it's her bags are all woven neoprene bags. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we used offcuts from our shirting um, from our white Isabel and had them, the offcuts woven into her bag. So it kind of created a stripe pattern design. And we launched it for International Women's Day this past spring. And it was really successful. And we saw it was so exciting to see, um, you know, how strong her and loyal her customer base is um, south of the border and really seeing cross shopping and them shopping our collection and, you know, new customers coming to buy buy the bag. And we ended up having to restock um, the bag very quickly because we sold out really fast. So... I think like strategic partnerships like that are things we're really looking to continue to do and, you know, that align with our brand and um, help us grow our customer base in a really organic way. Mm, I love that. Mm. It's interesting to see when a collab works really well, it does seem it's, it it really multiplies the exposure for both brands involved. So uh, it's always exciting to see. Um, You've referred to, you know, staying in touch with your customer base and really understanding uh, what your your clients are wanting from a product standpoint. How do you do that? And, you know, your co-founders, you have a million things on your to-do list. So um, how, you know, what kind of ways are, are you making sure you're you're keeping that contact and that, uh, you know, that close exchange? And, and we know with wholesale and working through retailers, it becomes more difficult because you don't own the relationship directly. Uh, so what what is working well for you in, in, in those areas? I would say there's a few things. I mean, one is, you know, we are a small team. So we actually, we do all of our customer service. So anyone, anytime somebody emails us, it is us. Um, that's, um, that's responding. And I think it's actually a really, um, it's a really great way to be in touch with customers. I mean, as a customer, I love that (laughs) having the, the founder, the owner write back to you is wonderful. Exactly. And we find, you know, we're always asking for feedback and, you know, it's just, it's an easy way um, to connect. And I think, you know, it really, it really does give us a lot of valuable insights. And I think it's one of those things that I think we will hang on to as long as we can because of the insights that we're able to, you know, to glean from that. Um, And I think sort of in the same vein, like we are very hands-on people and like we, you know, as we have some of these wholesale accounts, like we love to go out to the stores and we'll talk to the salespeople on the floor and understand, you know, what they're hearing from their clients or what they're seeing in the stores and and kind of collecting feedback that way. So, you know, we really see ourselves as, as true partners um, with our, you know, retail accounts. Uh, we're not just, you know, kind of sending them the product and and walking away. We do events with them. You know, we really just try to um, get as much exposure to both the sales team and um, and their clients as possible. So, I think it's those two things that have enabled us, along with you know the data that we get you know through our sales because we're DTC. Um, you know, it's really easy to see you know what's resonating and what's not. Um, you know, those three things kind of help us to get a, a I think a pretty a pretty good picture of you know, who our customers are and you know what they're liking and you know things that you know maybe we could do differently and better. Yeah. One other thing that we're 
we started to do and we're hoping to do a little bit more of is we've been doing a lot of smaller trunk shows um, and it really allows us to, you know, expand our, like do a lot of clienteling and um, we've been doing them at private homes and having someone host and invite friends. And, um, you know, that way we can really get to know um, different customers and um, see women trying on our clothes in different ways and how are they wearing it and, you know, what's their feedback. So that's another um, in addition to kind of the events we're doing in the store, we've been trying to do some smaller events um, that are more personal and in the trunk show space. And it would be great. Um, kind of our goal is to do that in different markets and to kind of help us grow that way really organically. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at that for the next uh, season. That's very smart. And and I think consumers are, are wanting kind of that in-person connection too, right? You feel mm-hmm. like you become part of that community, especially if you get to meet the founders. Um, I think that's I think that's what's changing too, because we were in, you know, it seems we were buying everything online for a few years, but we'd lost that direct connection with the brand and the company behind what we're buying. Um, and there seems to be kind of a resurgence of wanting to shop in person. Absolutely. Yeah. What is your big hairy goal your dream for the brand the ultimate achievement you're looking to create or build or reach with t-line great question (laughs) (laughs) i don't even think we've had time to think about it (laughs) there can be some smaller ones along the way too yeah i mean i think we really (laughs) just for us like i mean having that feedback from our friends and i mean even just a drop-off we're always seeing because our kids go to the same school we see moms constantly like wearing our clothes and you know just really the whole goal was to kind of be those pieces in your closet that women just reach for they're effortless they're Mm -hmm. easy and what we've been told so many times from our customer is that when they don't know what to wear they always wear a t-line and that's Thing. And, you know, obviously there's really special, beautiful pieces that you wear for occasions and like T-line can be dressed up in that way as well. But it's just in those moments when you want to feel put together, polished, effortless, that you're reaching for us. That's That was kind of what we set out to do. And so mm-hmm. hearing that from our customer is really, really valuable. And I think a smaller milestone was um, an amazing shirtwear that we both really admire and love, um, Nancy Myers. The- oh, wow. She is the ultimate shirt wear. (laughs) Ultimate shirt wear. We both absolutely love her. My favorite movie has always been Father of the Bride. So she is, um, she loves our shirts. She's been very vocal on social media, which is so sweet. And she's also just been a real champion behind the scenes to us. And it's been amazing, really, really lovely. And that's what we found in general, even to, you know, Aaliyah mentioned, we do a lot. We like are always messaging with our customers and managing the customer feedback Mm. and, um, the customer support and you know what we see is that people genuinely want to like our brand and they Mm -hmm. are so supportive and so lovely our customers and Mm -hmm. uh, that's really nice to see so it's been it's been really positive in that way and how did that connection with Nancy happen? Did she discover the brand organically or was there she did it was wow so amazing she discovered the brand yeah, organically, she started following us. I think I had been somewhere in Ireland, and I, I don't know if she followed that. That anyway, who knows? Mm. But discovered us, and yeah, it was. It's been been really nice um, to have mm. her have her supporting, and a lot of other shirt wearers um, are also coming mm. along. So it's been it's been exciting. I love I love thinking of that community of shirt wearers who yeah exactly. <laughs> who, who fall in well, love with T line. 
Britt has actually created this tea club, which is this community of shirt wearers that we have on our site. And it's really cool. We have women from that are inspiring to us, um, you know, across all different um, industries. And, you know, we, we ask them about, you know, what they love about wearing shirts, how they wear them, what they do. And it's a really, it's a really neat part of the content that uh, Britt creates. Mm, Well, that's the amazing thing about shirts too, is that people wear them so uniquely and it's why they're, you know, I like we both feel is the most iconic piece of clothing and mm-hmm. you know versatile because you can style them so many different ways and, you know, people can add their own personal flair to them. And that's why also we love seeing at events. Um, we also offer complimentary monogramming on all of our shirts. Oh, wonderful. And, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun to see at events the way people customize them and monogram mm-hmm. them and use different colors. And we're always like, oh my gosh, like, because we're always monogramming our own stuff and then right. <laughs> these combinations. And it's so, you know, someone the other day at an event monogrammed our blue Oxford shirt with a red, um, like classic bold uh, font. And it just looks mm. so chic and beautiful. Okay. And, um, it's just really fun to see how people bring their own personality to our shirts. So we love, mm-hmm. we love seeing that. Love that. Well, I think my, I think I probably have an entire Pinterest board dedicated to shirts and shirt looks, but then I get lazy when it comes down, you know, when it comes time to put yeah. on a shirt because I have to make sure I've steamed it or ironed it. So right. there's always yeah. a few, but I'm, I'm excited to experiment with some tea line. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you say, um, you know, to women who are starting a brand in a fashion category or thinking of it, um, would you say there's still space? You know, we know it's a saturated category, but it seems in your case, you've built something very unique. You're very specific on, you know, the product and, and your vision for, for style with the brand. Um, is that is that the secret to making a fashion brand work in 2023? And overall, what would be your advice to women thinking of starting a brand or who are just starting a brand in fashion? Yeah, I, I definitely think there's room in the market. It is a really hard business and it's very saturated and, you know, you can feel overwhelmed, um, you know, especially as you're starting out. And um, but I think what we've seen is that, you know, the more we stay really focused on our vision and what we're trying yeah. to bring to the market and, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. So mm-hmm. we have, you know, a customer base that we're really trying to, um, you know, um, provide our our product to. And, you know, I think what we're seeing and and especially um, what we're being, the feedback we're being given from our, some of our retail partners is that we are really filling this little gap, especially with our price point and our aesthetic and, you know, the fact that we are shirting first. And so, you know, I think there is, there is a hole that we're trying to fill and we're just trying to stay super focused and not be everything to everyone. Mm, Mm -hmm. Interesting. Love that. Yeah. I think that's what Mm -hmm. sets you apart. Yeah. And I think, you know, we love, we love the brand. We love what we're doing. Um, we're also looking at it as a business, you know, it's not, you know, we, we really, really try to, you know, run it, um, you know, profitably. Um, we're really looking at, you know, making sure we're making the right decisions. And I think, I think in any industry, if you're, you know, if you're building the business, there's always room for, you know, for, for growth and, and additional brands to come in, right? Like yes, if ever, yeah. if you can, if you can build it successfully and you have your bin, your business fundamentals, right, then, you know, you, you can do it. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily always about like, can the market bear it or, yeah. you know, it's, I yeah. think there's, there's some, a more micro aspect mm. to it as well. 
I think, you know, if you're starting out, it's, you know, ask, we, we ask lots of questions. We've asked a lot of questions and we're really fortunate. We've got a lot of great connections through, you know, our personal networks and from Holt Renfrew of people that we can go to and, um, and have that have been able to mentor us, um, and give us advice as we've kind of gone on through this journey. So I think that's something that has been really crucial for us as we've been learning, as we've been going. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, what's, what's really unique is Britt and I really love working together, which is great. Mm. You know, we really, we found somebody that, um, is very complimentary to yeah. each other, um, but that we also really genuinely enjoy working with. Um, and I think that, you know, that really, um, helps us every day. We, you know, we want to be working together. We want to be building this business together. And, and I think that that's something that gives us a lot of motivation. It's it's yeah. funny because we uh, we just held our Brennan's Female Summit uh, this past week in Toronto, and uh, we had a tech founder uh, on a panel, and she was talking about, and she's been on a podcast too. So for her, her first advice to women in business is always find a partner. In, in her case, her business partner is mm -hmm. also her husband. Um, but she, you know, wow. her her, her philosophies <laughs> don't don't do. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I would want to do that, but it it works for her. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And that's always her number one advice is, you know, find the right partner for you. So it's interesting when, uh, you know, when two partners are able to have kind of that perfect, you know, symbiosis and uh, kind of perfect collaboration, uh, it leads to wonderful things. Uh, so in your mm -hmm. case, it's it's obviously working yeah. well. Yeah, we always mm -hmm. say we're, we are in very different worlds of the business, but mm -hmm. we speak the same language. So we both and we kind of respect each other's lanes and let, you know, the other one run with that side of the business with, well, you know, we we both are, you know, keep up to date on both sides. But, um, you know, we can kind of speak the same language and then, um, you know, the decisions just kind of come easily. So it's been really great. I think it's also like not being afraid to admit what you don't know and then find the people and surround yourself with people that know things that you don't because you can't know everything and it's better to be an expert in certain areas and you know that's what we each bring to the table our expertise in different areas of the business and then we kind of you know find the right partners and people and that's like what we do as we're building our team as well we're looking for you know who are those people that can bring expertise in certain areas that you know either we're not super experienced in or um you know we need to know more about and that's who we're kind of bringing into our business Mm, that's that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and in closing, I'm curious to hear what do you think the shirt represents for women specifically? And for such a long time, the shirt was a staple in the men's closet specifically. The tailored shirt comes from men's closet. So why why do you think it's so powerful for women? Great question. I think, I mean, I think it's such an iconic item and I think there's nothing like the feeling when you put on, and like to Aaliyah's point, when we were in COVID and, you know, we weren't having to get dressed up for anything, there's nothing like the feeling when you put on a crisp white shirt and you just feel polished and effortless. And I think the way you look helps, you know, helps you feel better. And mm -hmm. so for us, like, these, you know, crisp silhouettes that, you know, they're empowering, like fashion is all about at the end of the day, you want to look good and feel good. And so if we can help women to effortlessly put on, um, you know, one of our, our shirts and feel great and go into an interview or go to drop off their kids or go out, you know, for dinner and feel great, then, you know, we've done our job because that's kind of, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do and make it easy for women to get dressed and effortless. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, absolutely. Elia? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Brent. There is just something, we all feel it. You know, when you put on that one piece of clothing that makes you feel fabulous, like it just, there is there is such a strong relationship between clothing and how you feel. And there is something about the shirt that really just makes you feel, I think like you can kind of conquer anything. It sounds crazy, yeah, but I think absolutely. it's true. Yeah. You know, you. I think there is obviously that history of, you know, getting dressed for work and you put on your mm. shirt and you go... But, um, you know, I think, you know, since sort of the mid 1900s or so, you know, people were starting like a lot of these iconic women were, you know, reaching into their husband's closets and styling their shirts. And I think there was just something so empowering about Mm. that. I don't know if it was because it was coming from a male's closet and we were, you know, females were, you know, styling it and wearing it. But since then, I feel like there is just, yeah, there's something very powerful about the shirt. And I think because you can bring so much of your own personality into how you style Mm. it. Um, you know, it becomes such a, such a kind of cornerstone of, of somebody's wardrobe. Mm. It's just the longevity of it. We're always like going back to the archives and researching and, you know, mm. if you look at photos of, for instance, Carolyn Bissette Kennedy in like the nineties wearing yeah. a white shirt and, you know, a slip skirt that looks like it could be, you know, our Isla slip skirt and a strappy Manolo sandal. It's like, that could be yesterday, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so iconic and relevant now. And that's why these pieces just have such longevity and are just really timeless. Mm-hmm. And I was going to add, I, there's there's so many examples of powerful, iconic women, you know, in 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 very pivotal moments in in pop culture, but also in in politics or you know, wearing a shirt in in such an mm-hmm. iconic way. So mm-hmm. uh, it, mm-hmm. it adds to the to the value of the item. Um, sure. Thank you so much, Aliyah and Britt. It was great hearing about your journey uh, with T Line. Looking forward to uh, what the brand will do next, and I will be uh, browsing and making some purchases on T Line. So we'll share the link as well for anyone who's listening to us and interested in discovering the brand. And thank you for your time today. Thanks so much, Ava. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. It great. was my pleasure. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening today. If you did enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Yeah.